Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Centered, Committed, Confident. I'm your co-host, Cody Rogers. I'm Regan Erickson. And I'm Hannah Erickson. And this podcast is all about helping you center your life on Christ, commit yourself to discipleship, and become more confident in the Word of God. That third one particularly is what we've been working on as we've worked through the New City Catechism. Um, I mean, we're a few episodes in now. I I think we can just dive right into it, into this next question. Today, we are on question four of the New City Catechism. Don't forget, you can download the app if you haven't yet, and if you're new to it, you can download the app, by the way. Make sure you do that. Uh, Question four is, how and why did God create us? How and why did God create us? As a reminder, we've been going over these questions with sort of three different uh, questions of our own, three parts of a structure. Uh, the first one being, how would the world answer that question? The second one being, how does Scripture answer that question? And the, and the third one is, how do we, how do we live that out? Uh, so let's go into the, the very first one. Uh, how and why did God create us? What does the world have to say about... Let's start with the how. What does the world have to say about how God created us? I feel like lots would say that he didn't. That it was a big bang or something along those lines, or we just kind of appeared out of nothing, or a meteor hit and a little amoeba became a human after enough time, and that there is no how or why because God isn't real and God wasn't a part of any type of creation process. Yep, we we climbed out of the primordial ooze mm-hmm. and, and started out as a fish into an ape into a man, right? Yeah, and some people would say that that's how God created like, oh, yeah, so through, God through, used yeah. that to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What, what would the world, how would you get that answer? Like, where, where does that where does that come from, do you think? Like, like, using something like evolution as how God created? Yeah, so what's the basis of that? Like, what are they using as their worldview? Their worldview is primarily focused on science and what science is saying or what they think science is saying and letting that feed into what they believe about, in, in case for Christianity, uh, God's word. Um, basically, it's like, ordering it where, where it orders in your life. And especially if you like science, it's easy to put that above the word of God and let that feed into the way you interpret God's word. Yeah. Science. And I'm going to just throw this one out there. I think more and more I'm, I'm beginning to think that it's maybe uh, particularly not for quite a few people, but or uh, not for everyone, but I think a large chunk of people, it's, it's not that their worldview is based on science. It's that their worldview is based on anti-God. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And, and there are for some legitimate people that look at the science and like, this is what I believe, but there are far many more, I believe in now today's culture that latch on to that answer because it is the anti-God answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and, totally agree. And they're looking for that. Anything they can do to just not believe in, in what they know they're, they're intentionally, like it says in Romans, suppressing the truth. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's one way that the world would answer this question on how did God create us. Any other um, things to add to that? A lot of your other um, religions, I'm thinking of the Greek um, one in particular, were kind of created out of bloodshed. Um, oh, yeah. Like, isn't it with the Greek gods um, that it was like some war between the Titans or something like that. I don't know very well, but I know a lot of them, it comes out of conflict. We are an incidental byproduct of the gods, Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe um, the how did God create us, the answer would be accidentally, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yes, God was involved. Whoops. Yeah, here's some people. <laughs> God was involved in our creation, but, you know, doesn't have the power that we as Christians say that he does in it or the control yeah. or the intentionality. 
Um, let's hit a little bit. We, we know what the answer is going to be. And so I just want to like forecast into that. Um, it says, you know, created very specifically into two genders. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, let's dive into that a little bit. What does the world say, right? What is, what is the current spirit of the age say and how we were created? Essentially that you may start as something, but you can become whatever you want. And so that we are continually growing and changing and um, kind of still evolving into whatever type of person we want to be. If we are born genetically female, that's okay. We can become a male if we want to, or we can um, be something in between or somewhere on the spectrum of gender, as they would say, and that um, that something might have started our creation, but we can now create ourselves to be whatever it is that we want. Mm, yeah. Gender has become an identity where mm. you can you can be biologically, like Hannah said, genetically male or female, but if you were born with an identity different than that, then you can convert yourself to that. Yeah, and I think the simple answer too is, um, you know, spoiler alert, it says God created us male and female. I think they would just sort of cross that out and say God created all genders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and that's that's what they'd leave it at. How did God create us? He created us in multiple multiple genders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that gender will be revealed to us as we grow up and mm-hmm. we have whatever urgings we might yeah. feel that we've been born into. Right. I think that covers a broad spectrum of what the world says. How? Um, let's go with why. Uh, this is slightly related, but there are a few differences. So what what would the world answer why we were created? What is what is our purpose here on earth? Appease the gods. Okay, yeah. I mean that would be uh let's you're heading back into sort of mythology, mm-hmm. right? We are created to be the gods playthings yep. and their servants, and we are meant to do nothing more than satisfy their every need and appease them in any way possible. Um good. I think kind of like what we're talking about with gender, almost like we are created to continue the creation process as in this God or deity kind of sparked something and now we are continuing. Now we get to create the life that we want to have. We get to create the gender that we want to have. We get to create the identity and everything else around it um, in order to pursue our own glory and our own happiness um, with whatever that looks like to us. Yeah. We we were created to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the ultimate purpose in life, to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, we were created to live our own truth, yep. to, to find it, establish it, and live it out to its fullest extent. And by doing that, by fully accepting yourself, uh, then your purpose in life will have been fulfilled. Um, let's head into the atheist point of view. God doesn't exist, so so why do we... Because two souls came together. Yeah, I've, I've actually heard some people talk about that where they're like, yeah, we really don't have a purpose in life other than to learn more about life because we can. Yeah. And they'll say that our purpose is what we create it to be. Um, I have a few atheist friends whose purpose in life is you only live once and you need to create as big of an impact on the earth as you possibly can before your time is done. And so that's why they believe in protecting the innocent. That's why they believe in helping the poor. That's why they believe in these quote unquote moral things because they have one life to live and they're going to create the biggest impact. And they would say, um, that is their purpose in life. That's not everybody's purpose that they think it should be everybody's purpose, but it's not everybody's purpose. And you create your own purpose. That's Mm -hmm. probably 
the best way to answer from an atheist point of view. That feels stressful to me. Like having to create your own purpose to be on this earth and to live, like that's a lot of pressure to decide what that is and to figure it out and to live it out. Yeah. Kind of overwhelms me to think about. And that's a good statement, Hannah, because I mean, even in biblical counseling, if you, if you sit down with somebody and you're working through biblical counseling, uh, one of the things you come to oftentimes is they, they, they mentally assent to the belief in God but they're not living like they do, mm-hmm. um, whatever aspect that could be causing anxiety that could be causing stress, things like that. Um, but it's exactly that at the end of the day, because in reality, they're not living like God exists or that their hope and joy is in him. They're feeling all that weight and mm-hmm. burden and, and they're spiraling. Right. Yeah. So, it, you know, even as Christians, when we begin to live, like our life doesn't have a specific purpose mm-hmm. from God, we can very much feel that as well. Um, if you hear a little, a couple baby uh, coos, is it coos, right? <laughs> yeah. If, yeah you hear some, if you hear some baby coos, uh, Psy Guy, little, little Silas is with us today. Um, he is the, he's always our unannounced yeah. guest with us. He keeps us in order. Yeah. I like it. All right. So that is question one. I think that's well answered. Let's head into question two or the second part of our structure. How does scripture answer this question? How and why did God create us? And I'd, let's... Just a little caveat before, but what throws what throws you off about this question? I know, I know something threw me off right away. It mm-hmm. threw my kids off right away um, when we were going over it. Uh, what is it? Yeah, I th- at first thought this was gonna ask about like when it says how did God create? I thought it was like what method did He use? Like He yeah. spoke or out of the dust, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Or how or did God create us? Like out of the dust with His own hands. That would mm-hmm. be yeah, um, and. That's initially what my kids yeah. answered to. How did God create us? And they would say in creation or in the, in yeah. si- in the six days or you know, yeah. things like that. So um, when we first ask it that way, it does uh, potentially create a different answer. We, we talked about this a few episodes ago where the, que- the way the question is worded could present a couple different answers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one I feel better about, though, yeah. because the scripture that we're about to read is so obvious that there really isn't yeah. another way to ask the question. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't think, I and mean, we can talk about it. All right. So uh, let me read the answer, and then Regent, if you'd read us the scripture. So the answer from the New City Catechism is, God created us male and female in his own image to know him, love him, live with him, and glorify him. And it is right that we who were created by God should live to his glory. And the supportive scripture? It is Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, and it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Yeah, and that's Genesis one twenty seven. I I think is just supposed to represent the chapter itself. Yeah, because, I'd agree. Because the the part where we're meant to glorify Him, you know, definitely comes from the in the image of God. But um, I think we should also note that that comes from be, go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. Has a lot to do with our purpose in glorifying Him. Um, you know, man given dominion over the earth, cultivating the garden. There's a lot there oh, that yeah. they couldn't fit. But I think they chose, you know, in previous podcasts, we said, was this the right verse? I feel like this one was the right verse. Yeah. Me too. To, to try to summarize as much as possible. Um, so let's, let's break that down. Now the how makes sense. Yes, it does. Um, and the scripture is so specific. God created a male and female. Like yeah. Genesis one twenty seven is very clear to state it. So I, I think um, when I first read the question, I'm like, oh, this is a politically charged question, right? Like, they're like, I'm thinking of like things that I particularly ask my kids because I want to teach them against the culture. Um, 
And so when I first read this, like, that's what they're doing here. They're trying to, you know, go against the culture. But actually, I don't think so. I think they're asking it this way because that's what the scripture leads us to ask. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I don't think the New City Catechism people have the main agenda of fighting transgenderism when asking this Um, question. I think they have the main agenda of just being true to scripture in this question. Would you agree with that? I would. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I mean, there's just so much in the beginning of Genesis in particular about how and why God created us that's established there. I don't know how you could get out of writing a catechism like this without asking this question. Yep. So I, so we, you know, we agree that the question is worded well. Um, now that we see what the answer is, yeah. I think the answer very much asks us to, to ask this question. Um, let's break it down sentence by sentence. God created us male and female. So there are uh, two genders. Yep. Very specific. They are given to us at birth. Um, and that's it. There's no change. He created us in one of them, male yep. and female. Anything to add to that? No. Okay. He created us male and female in his own image. What does it mean for us to be created in the image of God? It means that we have his likeness. Like When we look at Silas, we can see parts of Regent and parts of me that he is, Silas is made in our likeness. He's made in our image as part of us and the genes coming together and whatnot. And in the same way that we are made in the likeness of God and that there are parts of us that reflection reflect him, not in perfection, um, but just um, kind of as a shadow of who he is and um, his character and attributes and things like that. When I was a kid, I used to hear this and I would think of um, being made in his image was looking like God, you know, has two legs, two arms. What would you say if like a kid came up and said like, oh, is it like that? How would you respond to him? What would I say if a kid asked me if God has two? Like, two? yeah, like, like, you know, I used to look at it and be like, oh, we're made in his image. That means, you know, he has a head with hair like us. Oh, you gotcha. Know? Yeah. I'd, one, I'd say in some ways, yes, because Jesus is also God and we're very much in that image, right? Yeah. Um, in the other sense, I think I'd just say um, yes and no, you know, because clearly there's times in which God has... Uh, like we see it in the Old Testament, right? God has, uh, God has a backside. <laughs> yeah. find out, you know, he turns his back to, to what Moses, so he won't mm-hmm. die when he sees him. Um, but in the other sense, I'd say, oh, no, that's not exactly what it means. And then I would probably just talk about, um, for me, uh, I really like the kid analogy that you just mentioned, Hannah, with like Silas being representative. I've always used like a picture. So like um, I've just talking through this with a couple college students the other week. Um, on my phone, the, the background of my phone is a picture of Brittany and I, right? So usually I like turn it on and be like, is this Brittany and I? And the answer is yes and no, mm-hmm. right? Because, well, yes, that's, that's Brittany and Cody in the sense it represents them. It's their image. It's their likeness. But no, because it's not actually them. You aren't physically in the phone in the picture. Exactly. Yeah. But when you look at that picture, you think of them, you know them, you might have things that represent them either bring us glory or dishonor. Yeah. Um, you know, just like I can show you a picture of someone very hated in the world and that's going to bring about a certain amount of emotion towards them. Right. Um, and so I, I think that's probably how I would say it. Like image means that when, when, when people look at us, they think of God or that they should, that's our purpose, you know, that's good. And it's not that he has legs and, and arms. It's that when they look at us, they think of God 
Um, and so it's, that's how I view image bearing is like, we're all like the phone picture of God, mm-hmm. right? People should look at us and see God and know, come to know God and God could be glorified by people looking upon us if we're fulfilling our mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's what it means. I think they, it's the exact same illustration as what you just said. Yeah. Anna. And that's what sets humanity apart from the rest of creation, that animals are not made in the image of God and plants are not made in the image of God, only humanity is. And that's, that's what gives us intrinsic worth and value is because of our likeness to God, not because of anything we do or anything we accomplish, but because of the mere fact that we humanity is made in God's image. That means that every human has worth and dignity and value because of who they represent. Yep. And we, and we are a pale image of God, right? Um, Colossians says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, right? Mm -hmm. Like Jesus is the full image of God, right? He is God and man embodied. We are just a pale complexion of that. Um, But it's, it's true, man. I wish I could remember, wish I'd had the words right now to say it. Eric Ajo, our, our student ministries pastor for junior high, um, had a great way of talking about how we're a pale complexion of the image. Um, I'm a, if I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes of, the, of this episode, but it was a beautiful way. Um, if you know Eric, just ask him. He'll, he'll tell you what it means. All right. Uh, so heading through this, we got a few more minutes. God created us male and female in his own image. And here's some more purposes right here to know him, to love him, to live with him and to glorify him. Where do all those purposes come from? Like, I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things. And it's more than mm-hmm. what we've just said so far. So where, where do we get these or, or you know, how do we know that from that scripture or, you know, give me, give me some answers here. I think like the know him and we can look at Adam and Eve in the garden, like God walked with them like he was in relationship with them. He sent Jesus so we can be in relationship with him. We see that God revealed himself in creation. Like it talks about in Romans, mm. Um, that he gave us his word, which is also him revealing himself to us so we can know him um, in like that intellectual and heart level way. Yeah. So we should look at the garden as the original intent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? It is as we were supposed to be. That's what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Good. All right. So, and that's, that's essentially what Hannah's saying right there is um, to... We should know, we we're created to know him because Adam and Eve knew him. We were created mm-hmm. to love him because that's part of the reason Adam and Eve were created, right? Mm-hmm. To live with him. That's one. That's a reason they were created. And to glorify him was the purposes they were given, right? Be fruitful and multiply, Adam to cultivate the earth or cultivate the garden mm-hmm. and have dominion over the earth, all these things. And so really all of them are wrapped up in the idea that the garden was the original intent. intent. And uh, in Genesis 3, the fall, we screwed it up. Yeah. Like what really sticks out to me, like the statement, live with him, like, you know, Adam and Eve were with him personally in the garden and Genesis three, that gets broken and we get to look forward to that in heaven where we're going to be with God in Mm -hmm. heaven. Yeah. um, And that's powerful. Just thinking through our church right now, we're starting Revelation Um, and like, it's literally, um, Calvin and I were talking about this. We're, We're choosing songs for lift, which is our student conference. And we're evaluating the song called Homecoming, right? And the bridge is about um, being reunited with God. And it's like, it's sort of a cool statement to call it our homecoming. You know, yeah. Revelation celebrates our homecoming, um, coming back to the garden with God, yeah. right? To a new heaven and earth. Anyway, um, let's, let's, let's get to this last sentence of the answer. And it is right that we who were created by God 
should live to his glory. Why is this sentence in here? Why, why didn't they just end with male and female, love him, live with him, glorify him? Like why add, and it is right that we who are created by God should live to his glory. I think in our innate sinfulness, we buck against that idea that we don't want to um, glorify him if it isn't convenient to us or if it isn't with that purpose that we have in mind for our lives, that we naturally oppose this idea of glorifying God. Partially excited, I think that we don't really believe he's worthy of it. Um, and so they're saying like, as as your creator, as um, the all-sovereign, all-powerful God, that he is completely worthy of your glory and your life and that it is the only right way to live, that there is no other good way and right way to live this life apart from a life that is glorifying and honoring to the Lord. Yeah, so it's, it's not just saying it is right, like the feel-good kind of right, mm-hmm. right? Like you get home, you take off your shoes, put on your slippers or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm an old man, right? Put on your, your sweatpants and slippers, sit in the chair, recline, and you're like, this feels right. Like, mm-hmm. There's that kind of right. And then there's what Hannah's talking about, which is probably what the sentence is. It's like, no, there's a right and wrong. And and to put the, the sentence in the inverse, if it's saying, and it is right that we who are created by God, it would say, and it is wrong that we who were created by God would not live to his glory, right? It's, it's making a statement of, of truth. Yeah. You know, it, it is the right thing. It is the, the correct purpose that because you were created by yeah. God, you would live to God's glory. I was saying, if you think about that inverse statement, when you say it's wrong that we who were created by God should live to his glory is ironic because the creator is, you're saying it's wrong for that who was created to not glorify who created him. That just sounds very like, yeah, like it only makes sense for those that were created yeah. by someone yeah. to, in turn, um, glorify him. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's a there's a purpose statement there, and that's why I think that's why they included it. It's, yeah. mm-hmm. it's the purpose of here's all the things, and also it's just wrong not to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, good. All right, we're 22 minutes in, so just a couple minutes application here. What does it look like in the life of the believer if this truth hits home? If they sincerely believe this, how does someone live? How does it inform their decisions in their life? I think you're going to look at humanity with a new lens in terms of like Hannah mentioned, all humanity has intrinsic worth and value and there's no better group of people like as Christians who are saved doesn't make our value any more intrinsically higher um, in the image of God than someone who's not saved. Yeah, I think it um, is a framework that we start understanding gender and sexuality that we start with Genesis. We start with the creation of male and female. Um, and that's part of our Christian worldview. As we look out and we see the world and as we, like you talk about how we interact with politics and things in this world, that it is informed by these verses. Um, I think also just this idea of glorifying God, that it is in every single thing that we do in the way that we interact with people in the way that we um, do our job in the way that we're a student and how we do our homework all of it is is and should be done for the glory of God. And if it isn't, we have to check our hearts and we have to see what are we really living for. Um, and that is reflected in how we live and the way that we view the world around us. Yeah, and I'd say to add to that, um, it gives you a much larger purpose. Yeah, you know, I, I'm sure. thinking through the high school students that I'm talking to right now that are trying to decide what college to go to. 
because they feel like that impacts their purpose in life, you know, and that their purpose in life is to make sure they don't choose the wrong college. And um, if we if we live like this purpose is true, that our entire purpose in life is to glorify the Lord and yeah. to be with Him and love Him and live with Him and know Him, um, it it doesn't matter what college you go to. That that's actually not a part of the ultimate purpose of your life, right? Actually, your purpose can be fulfilled in whatever college you choose, or if you choose not to go to college, like the purpose of glorifying the God, glorifying God and loving him and knowing him and living with him are, are things that can be accomplished no matter what your career is. And, and I, I love that. It takes away the burden of, of feeling like you are betraying your purpose. If you choose the wrong college, if you choose the wrong partner in life, right? Mm -hmm. If you, uh, if you take the wrong job offer, um, now there are a sense in which you want to do your best to honor what the Lord might have yeah, for you. Yeah, you don't want to be flippant. Yeah, you want to lean on the Spirit. You you want to follow the Lord. You want to, in those moments be trusting in His guidance. But there is a a, a a safety net in many ways in which your ultimate purpose has already been given to you. Yeah. Right. Like when you ask a high schooler, "What are you going to do with your life?" The first answer, which isn't always the case, the first answer needs to be, "I'm going to glorify the Lord." by loving him, knowing him, by making disciples to glorify him. I'm going to fulfill the great commission. And secondly, I'm going to do that by trying to be the best steward of whatever decisions I make, knowing that at the end of the day, the Lord guides my path. Yeah, that's really good. I'm just kind of sitting here thinking about the, the um, analogy you gave with the photo on the phone. And it's just like, man, that's so cool. Like we get to represent the Lord and he's entrusted that to us. I mean, that's, scary in the sense I know how sinful of a man I am, but also at the same time, I'm like, wow, that makes everything else pale in comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we do. I think we sometimes view it as a burden, like, oh, we have to live for God. Like that's so lame compared to how all my unsaved friends are living or whatever, or whatever it is that we're thinking about really is it's an honor and a privilege to a be created by God and then to be um, able to live for him and entrusted to do his work. Like that is a privilege and an honor. And that's how we should be viewing it. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that's what it looks like. And also to final thing, as we wrap up here, it gives you hope. Like, let's come back to that, right? If you truly live out this purpose in your life, you have this anticipation of what's to come. You have this understanding of what was meant to be and what is currently not and, and what the Lord is going to do to bring it back. And so you live in anticipation of, of fully getting to live with God again and fully getting to know him and fully getting to love him in his presence in a way that we just don't get to right now. So I think that's what it means to understand how and why did God create you. Um, for college students, this is probably one of the most important questions, right? Yeah. Why did God create you? What's your purpose in life? Here, let's give you the answer. And the answer is not what you're expecting. Yeah. And it's pretty clear. Yeah, it's super clear. It takes a lot of the, the weight off your shoulders. We need to see it. All right. I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, thank you so much for making it all the way through to the end. If you're still listening, uh, we're going to be kicking off college ministry in this coming week. So we hope to see a lot of you there. If you're listening to this for the first time, wondering where we're at, Quorum Deo Bible Church in Davenport, Iowa. We meet on Thursday nights here at the church from 7 to 9. We'd love to have you join us for our Thursday gatherings of um, people aged 18 to 25-ish, right? That college age is what we're aiming for. We so, love it. We do. We love it. We love you guys. We're praying for you, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>